Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. You can tell by the paucity of bits uh, in the absence of Alex's usual phrase that we are taking a different approach. We are living in a fascinating time. Uh, movie discussion has never been more sophisticated, mm-hmm. more fair-minded, more level-headed than it is now. Uh, the rise of new technology has given way to the video essay, yeah. which allows people all around the world to extol the praises of art and discuss things ranging from topics such as weird fries to the vampire diaries. And we wanted to, as we enter our this new era of our show with episode 300 to join our brethren and cistern in a more sophisticated podcast. Uh, So thank you all for, for joining us as we discuss a film that will allow us to explore not only cinema, but also history. Um, We have uh, changed up the format as, as you can tell, uh, Tyler, what is that film that, that we'll be discussing today in our we, symposium? We will be talking about 300 mm, for mm, mm. The, the podcast. 300. Mm, mm. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm, uh, so, so can I, first of all, I do want to pause. I want to appreciate that. I do wanna, I Thank do you, wanna, yes. I want to say that, yes, we are, we are talking about, well, appreciate, yes, your, your intro, Britain. It's very mm. well done. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, you... <laughs> basically we're talking about 300 <laughs> and i'm very tired and very delirious and the only thing i could think about that entire time was the fact that i currently have wet knees <laughs> and it is that sort of attention to detail that we will be bringing to our discussion of 300 uh a film which also involves a lot of wet knees wet <laughs> in with, a way uh, i gave blood, a toddler a bath mud. not too long ago and that's <laughs> and I, I believe uh listeners at home you may rest assured it was in fact his toddler tyler well, is not so, so, tyler is not some sort of I rogue could be a daycare <laughs> worker true i believe tyler sort of the tech savvy member of our crew creating the app bather <laughs> where uh you can just hire a, a a random person to come and bathe your toddler no 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 tyler was in fact uh bathing his own progeny not breaking into others' homes and declaring their child to be filthy and in need of, in his words, a fair scrubbing. <laughs> the, the, the baby scrubber is my favorite Batman villain. <laughs> Seriously, I really hope that's what Matt Reeves goes for. And... Yeah, I, 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 I've cool. really been looking forward to, uh, to the team up between him and Condom and King. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, yes, it's a, a, real... a true du- uh, it's a duel of the fate. Yeah, sort there. of a fire and ice situation. Indeed, oh. Sandra O's oh performance will no doubt earn her <laughs> acclaim. Uh, as both Baby Scrubber and Condiment King. Um, we yes, are yes, yes. going to talk about 300 at some point. Um, Alex, say some things about 300, some, some objective qualities that are uh, objective qualities of subjective opinions. Yes. You know, 
I feel like we've done some setup here that that will be neatly paid off in our subsequent episodes. Tyler, remember wet knees. We're bringing it. We'll bring oh. it back. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm making that promise to everyone right now, or we'll promptly forget. Who cares? Three hundred from two thousand six, directed by our 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 friend, our mentor, Zachary Snyder. Mm. It has a 61% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 89% audience score. Um, do we need to explain why we're just randomly doing 300? Uh, I would, <laughs> Aside but, from it being episode 300? Yeah, but before you do, I would like to mention, as uh, you sort of teasing the return of the wet knees, uh, anyone who's ever bathed or raised a, to- a toddler knows that those knees never stay dry for long. There, there's always some new new sort of dampener um some mysterious moistness <laughs> it's my favorite favorite lemony snicket novel um i uh, i've been under the impression that we were novella excuse me uh that that we were choosing this film children's literature uh, children's literature that we were um uh choosing this this film for the, for the sort of rhyme of episode 300 and also uh the fact that alex talks about Zack snyder the way that middle school boys talk about girls they don't want to admit they have crushes on um <laughs> i i was really hoping you were going to say the same way that middle school boys talk about Zack snyder <laughs> <laughs> it it is it it involves a similar amount of cursing <laughs> no but why are well yes but we chose uh why why did we choose 300 speak on that because we had done a lot of Snyder movies, and it was 300, and we were like, hey man, 300. The future is now. We we decided we're going to experiment a little, I guess. We'll, we'll, we're trying three different Snyder films. It's not really part of a cohesive franchise, and I think this is probably the first movie we're doing where we're not going to review the sequel. Uh, yeah, that is fair. It did not meet the Snyder requirements. Mm-hmm. It was directed by someone I don't know who they are. Um, Probably like Ruben Fleischer or something. I, uh, you know, that would that could make sense. I don't believe it was. It, I can't prove that it wasn't yeah. Dan Campion, mm-hmm. but I mean, I suppose it's Schrodinger's director at this point. We're we've also uh, banished the best and worst format um, simply because we often felt that that sort of uh, we would end up going on tangents not dissimilar to this uh and discussing the film before the discussion of the film so i, I we're just this is a free flowing environment a sort of round table uh where we will discuss the film and its uh historical um placement uh now uh, alex this film is based i believe on a, a graphic novel allegedly speak speak on that See, you say graphic novel. I say history. Mm, 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 I see. I see. <laughs> um, no, this is this is based on the Frank Miller graphic novel. I don't know how much we want to get into the Frank Millerness of it all, because frankly, I'm I'm not. Frankly, mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a fan of him. Like, aside from I I like Dark Knight Returns for the most part, and then I like his Daredevil run, but especially. You know, Dark Knight Strikes Again and kind of all the stuff that he's done in the 21st century has just been very controversial and very messy and in many cases just kind of stupid. 
And sure. that's kind of how I feel about this movie. So so not getting into the Frank Miller. Let me do uh set the set the tone and the stage with a with a synopsis for 300 by Zack Snyder. Uh, in 480 BC, a state of war exists between Persia led by King Xerxes, Rodrigo Santoro, and Greece. At the Battle of Thermopylae, Leonidas, Gerard Butler, king of the Greek city-state of Sparta, leads his badly outnumbered warriors against the massive Persian army. Though certain death awaits the Spartans, their sacrifice inspires all of Greece to unite against their common enemy. Accurate. Um, I would like to interject and say that the director mm, of mm, the sequel, mm. his name is apparently Gnome Murrow. Mm. Uh, and uh, Gnome Murrow, that's what I say after watching a Snyder movie. Am I right? That's <laughs> as in, I live for today. No Murrow. <laughs> I live for today, the day I have this film. I would also like to give the caveat that we watched this film together, um, and I did sleep through parts parts of it. <laughs> um, I would I would make a few clarifications here. I it is the film did not put me to sleep. That was the lots of food and milkshake I ingested sure. soon before. Um, as but, professional movie critics should do. Yes, indeed. There, you don't want to feel the hunger pains. Uh, you don't want to be, be thinking about weird mm-mm. french fries when you're in the middle of uh, a, a cinematic experience. No, there is already there's so much to take in, and I had already taken in so much. And uh, I will say the movie did not uh, keep me awake so much, but every time I would sort of jolt back to consciousness, I saw what uh, seemed at first to be sort of uh, just hunks of meat committing violence against each other, like a, a perverse adaptation of a Warhol puppet show. Um, and and through that, I, I thought, per- perhaps my subconscious will give me respite and hope. And I, I would sort of drift away and back. Um, there is a lot of yelling as well. <laughs> a lot, a lot of yelling. I'm not going to be able to get rid of the the Warhol puppet show image <laughs> from my brain. So thanks for that. <laughs> we uh, no, I, yeah. I was going to say we are. We have decided to uh, kick the best and worst uh, bit down the proverbial well in the middle of the here come the sequels township. So. <laughs> We're not doing it no more. Um, we're just going to talk Take, about get out of here. The movie. Get out of here, best and worst. Yeah. We don't want you here anymore. Mm-hmm. Go on, get. As 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 people who <laughs> stayed awake through the entirety of three hundred, um, <laughs> some of the how, few, some of the few. Some of the few. <laughs> in, actually, here's a better question. In if we uh, 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 sort of look at as uh, sort of the 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 oeuvre of Zack Snyder throughout mm-hmm. his career. Where does this movie sort of place in, as much as we can sort of assume uh, from the masses? This is one of his better received films, a poorer received films. The scores seemed uh, middling, but what does that really mean? It seems to be on the upper end of his mm-hmm. filmography. And I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest, most of his movies are, are panned by critics, which is, you know, we've discussed that ad nauseum before um hey you really know it's what? this sometimes it's this. if you stand behind your art then no one can tell you it's bad that's 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 true 
you know, if you stand behind your art for years and years and years, eventually a big corporation will desperately give you $70 million to finish it. That's very true. (laughs) And you know what? You know what? Hey. It might turn out all right. He came out the winner on that one, and so did we. We really did. But yeah, I think um, 300, the Snyder Cut, and um, his Dawn of the Dead remake, I think those are the mm. ones that are generally considered like his better yeah. films. Um, he, I, I would declare him the winner of my discontent. That is true. <laughs> I, would, I would say that. Humorous play on words. <laughs> that, that's the sort of uh, erudite uh, uh, humor <laughs> that you can expect in this new chapter of mm-hmm. Here Come the Sequels. Mm. We're clever now. Indeed, wiser indeed uh, we've been doing Tyler, this for far too long uh we will Tyler, continue to do I, it for far longer than it should go correct and therefore we have to evolve no best Mu- and worst much things. much like the noble bulbasaur uh, alex what <laughs> what would i'm so do you dispute my my claim that bulbasaur is noble <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes you just reach into the grab bag of references and i just I, I'm just impressed. That's I, all I can say. I, I thank you. I, I mean, you, you, you try growing an entire tree on your back and see if you don't feel humbled. And, uh-huh. and I, I, I think in a way we have. I think. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 indeed, the, the, the mighty spruce mm-hmm. that is this podcast. Mm-hmm. Alex, you were trying to ask Tyler a question, and then I talked about Pokemon. Please continue. <laughs> no, it's okay. You made it far more interesting than mm-hmm. I would have. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to touch on Frank Miller or the comic book side of things, because obviously you are more of the comic book aficionado um, in this group. But I I was going to ask you about that and then to follow up with just general thoughts on the movie, because I know you didn't like it. And I want to hear you talk about how you didn't like like it. Sure. This is, uh, (laughs) I would say, a big blind spot for me, just in terms of like really anything Frank Miller has done since daredevil and the dark knight returns um i really don't know much about and i've I've never really had like a ton of interest in getting into his stuff from like post 2000 especially um i think this is do i have that right i'm questioning myself maybe this is a 90s thing uh i have to look it up because if i'm wrong it will make me sad uh but yeah i i don't really have much to add to that i did try and look up and make sure um you know like i had an understanding this is 98 okay close enough um 98 was when the comic came out uh, apparently okay yeah yeah because i'm seeing the hardcover is listed as 99 so okay yeah. um yep. so i yeah. apparently the it's it's fairly similar um there's a lot of scenes in this that especially like this seems to be the movie that snyder has most taken scenes and replicated them in film just whole cloth like done exactly the thing that's in the comic um i think there's some additions to that it seems like maybe the a lot of the monstrous elements of it uh which i do want to talk about because i feel like it just doesn't it's a weird thing that is not a good look <laughs> yeah it's just it's not a good look the and and there's a whole angle to that that we'll talk about. Um, put a pin in that for now. Basically, I don't have a ton of reference material for it, other than knowing that this is 
fairly accurate to the comic. Um, I want to talk about the giant pit. What? Why is there a giant pit <laughs> in the middle of in the middle of Sparta? It's like a big and like it's not like a well. It's not like oh, they're kicking the messenger down and and he's uh like I said well in the in the joke earlier, but that that's not really what's happening because it's it's just this, there's no railing, there's no stones even marking the edge of this. It's it's a giant hole, and they they kick the messenger from Xerxes into this hole because he's like, hey, you should surrender. Leonidas is like, I would rather not. I'm gonna kick you down a hole, and so he does. And it's kind of like, okay, you know, he's gonna he's gonna kick him into a pit. He's he's not gonna let him return to Xerxes. That's gonna be kind of the maybe this will be a character who comes back or or some of the we've already seeded that there's something nefarious going on with some of the Spartans themselves so maybe we'll uh we'll see this guy again and and he'll be conspiring with the Spartans who are kind of betraying Leonidas uh no he falls in and then we we see them throw all the other messengers or all the other uh, men in the messengers party I should say into the pit and we we realize from the angle and how they're falling that it's it's bottomless essentially who who made this who, zeus threw a lightning bolt who <laughs> down to the earth's core who built a a village a city state around it and why is there it's yeah it's not dissimilar from the um oh what is it called in the eerie and Game of Thrones. The Moon Door. Yeah, the Moon the Door. The Moon Door. But like the Moon Door you. is like you got to you're you're way up in the air. It's a door. And no, well no, and so and we might as well like, make a big yeah. make a big old thing. And it's not Right, yeah, that It's not my, confusing as yeah. to how they made that. But this is No, yeah, that that was that was my 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 point is that the eerie is is described as being oh we built a castle onto this treacherous place and made use of the landscape this just feels like they dug real deep for a long time yeah and never came out again some people just still down there still digging yeah it it would have been great if there were a post-credit sequence where you just heard (laughs) and then he landed uh because he went uh through the world and came back Mm -hmm. upside down science it's just really this movie is just science (laughs) you mentioned the monstrousness alex this this movie does um take the angle of the the grecians versus the persians which in this movie translates to white people versus uh monstrous decadent non-white people yeah and it's yeah i i think so the the actual historical battle of the battle of thermopylae is that what it's called do i have the right place um is considered to be a huge you know historical moment um it is you know the world would probably look a lot different if the um spartans hadn't held off uh the army of xerxes and that that is that is fair like that sure but there's a real like sort of retconning of history uh that 
basically that Greek civilizations were always aligned with the kind of culture of Western countries as we know them now. And this, I think, really stems out of that as this idea of this is democracy versus I don't even know what they're trying to paint yeah. the Eastern quote-unquote armies as. But. We'll just say general dictatorship. Yeah, sure. D- d- tyranny. Tyranny is probably a good... Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, when it's not... I mean, th- th- <laughs> they keep using things like freedom, like they reference freedom a lot in this movie, and I assume probably in the comic as well. Uh, and that's... Like they they still had slaves in Sparta. Like, they said freedom so many times. I thought Mel Gibson was going to ride in on with a kilt. <laughs> he should have. Would have been fun. Would have been good to. I was going to say it would have been good to see Mel. That's not always true. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> this is. This is because of the fact that it's like all right now we've got the armies of the West versus all the horrible monsters uh, coming from coming from the hills down to take away the Spartans' freedom and quest for justice and individualism, I guess. Uh, that is <laughs> just not <laughs> well thought out. And I, I think that's probably all it is, is just it's not well thought out. Um, I think that it very much feels like Snyder is like, what if we had a, uh, I don't even remember what the monsters are in this that show up. There's like a big, There's some giant elephants, right? There are some big elephants. Uh, there, and then there are like trolls, like cave troll. Yeah. Type things. Yeah. It's big old, big old monsters and various things like that. Uh, that are, and then of course there's the, uh, What's the name of the uh, kind of deformed soldier who tries to join them, and he ends up being a turncoat? Yeah. Oh, uh, Ephialtes. Which, yeah. The whole scene of him showing up to Xerxes' camp was just... I was I was so disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's It's a weird angle to take and it's weird that no one noticed that it was weird (laughs) uh there's also and i assume this is probably from the comic but there's also just the overall idea that xerxes is on the front lines the whole time which is kind of funny um just you know right up there kind of watching over everything all the time very uh with his many many piercings right um so i don't know it's strange take uh i did not like it (laughs) in that there are there are parts about this that i think make sense as to why people would like it um and i there are parts about it that i can appreciate but that that in particular is kind of like philosophically i don't think this movie has a good idea of what it's doing and because it, it ends up too it i don't think the intention was this but it can too easily be co-opted into a America first America versus what we perceive as terrorism or what we perceive as communism or anything. And it it can too easily be co-opted into this, this thing. And it's not that the people of color are necessarily consigned to 
stereotypical traits. Mm. There aren't people, you know, black people with bones piercing their noses or anything like that, but they're just portrayed as the bad guys. And we never really understand why, what makes the Spartan army the good guys. Yes. Other than that, they just keep yelling about freedom and are being invaded. Um, not to say that Xerxes is the good guy, but it's, we don't really get a clear sense of like, oh, this is what they're fighting for. And, and this it is... doesn't help. It doesn't help when the opening kind of uh, origin story for Leonidas involves, oh, any babies that had, you know, any sort of problems or anything, we killed them. Right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> like, that immediately is a setup is like, so why am I supposed to root for these guys and, again? And, and the fact that the movie is very... So the idea behind if he alties, if he if he alties, uh, the the formed character, right, uh, it's just like hor- horribly monstrous for whatever reason. Um, the fact that he kind of ends the movie on the note of, oh, he's part of the bad guys now, and he's been like cursed forever to, uh, basically live with them until he dies and know that he betrayed the army. Like there, there's no attempt at reconciling that and make that, making that be like, Oh, maybe the Spartans, you know, shouldn't have, uh, done this, uh, this, this way of life. Maybe they shouldn't be murdering people who, who look different. It's, it's like, right. no, there, they there were are totally no right. lessons learned. They were, the lesson learned is why didn't the politicians the, send more soldiers to get killed? Yes, the, the only reason they survived is because all of their citizens are perfect because they practice eugenics. <laughs> it's yeah. like, this is, yeah. I don't know. I mean, in the movie's defense, the, the scene where Leonidas is talking with him and is going through the logic of, well, you know, with our combat, we use our shields in this very particular sure. form. Like, the way he treats him, I think that is actually a very well-handled scene. Yeah. He's not, like, insulting him or, or, you know, talking down to him or anything like that. It's just very clearly, like, I, you know, with, with the, you know, your arm doesn't have the movement that is required in order to keep formation with us. Like, it's a very... Uh, I don't know. Considering how poorly I thought so many of the other scenes were handled, just in terms of general taste, um, that was just a nice touch and kept me from completely hating Leonidas as a protagonist. Because mm-hmm. I kind of hated Leonidas as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be clear, like it is based on history, uh, and apparently I was I was just curious because I was looking it up. Like, if he Altis is a historical character, or at least a seeming historical character um but not a monstrous man that was that was all frank miller and so then again working that into the story is like their culture is perfect they would have murdered this this man as a child we're these are fine (laughs) these these ideas match up this is great right that's yeah it's strange yeah I had the just the general question. I think I kept asking this as we were watching the movie. Is it supposed to be taken as a joke? And I don't necessarily mean that as an insult to the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so stylized and so ludicrous and just, I, I, I could not take any of it seriously. 
Um, but if it if there's some tongue in cheek element that I'm missing, some satirical edge that that maybe I missed missed out on, because um, I was taking a lot of it literally, um, then please let me know. But if we're supposed to take everything literally, I found it absurd, and I was laughing pretty pretty thoroughly throughout. I think that element is largely. I I feel like that's. It's it's definitely not satire. <laughs> it's definitely not yeah, that right software. But it, I mean, this is this is Snyder's problem. I mean, it, it's it kind of starts all the way back here, and you know we've talked about it. You know, with BVS and Man of Steel to a certain degree, it's just like he he takes things to their furthest extreme for seemingly no other reason than it's cool. Yeah. In the moment, it looks cool yeah. or it seems cool to him, and. I guess if you're doing an adaptation of Frank Miller's work, sure. I guess that's a fine pairing because this seems to be a faithful adaptation, if nothing else. But in terms of just a cinematic experience, uh, not great. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't get any sort of winking or or tongue in cheek. I think if any if the tongue should be anywhere, it should be hanging out of your mouth while you did devil horns and said, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Is that what the kids do these days? Yeah, with their hands. Uh-huh. Like they're at a, a rock concert. Mm, mm, mm. There are a lot of rocks in this movie. There are. And I believe they uh, hide behind them. Heavy guitar riffs throughout, which is an interesting angle for yeah. the score to have. Anachronistic, but a juxtaposition nonetheless. And rock hard abs, again really and truly try to punch michael fassbender in this movie i dare you your arm will ricochet off of him uh like a bullet in a bugs bunny cartoon mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. and truly oh boy what a how many crunches i ask you how many crunches i'd be curious to go back and look at kind of the uh, his abs i know <laughs> i mean <laughs> dreamy but uh, just like the the uh, critical reception back when the movie first came out, yeah. because it's like such a weird, hyper masculine, like j- just the look of the movie. It's just strange to me. Um, like, I don't know how you can make fun of Batman and Robin and not make fun of this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird to look at. And like I said, there's not there's not any necessarily anything wrong with that. It's just when you have a bunch of soldiers and they're not wearing any armor and the whole thing is like they are so good all they need is their shields. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's just stupid. Yeah. Everyone's got kind of the um Dr. Manhattan like yeah, pants, quote unquote. Yeah. I don't even know what you call that. Uh underwear. And it's very strange. Yeah, I have I mean, no more commentary on it. It's just like, a, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's weird. A because it's not a thing they would wear. I will say, I do want to reinforce this point that we have made before when talking about Snyder. <clears throat> Snyder is a very equal opportunity um, mm-hmm. sex appealer. I guess like yeah. he is. He will make uh men with you know men like in this movie super chiseled muscly dudes he'll make them wear essentially like i don't even know what you're nothing yeah basically yeah um 
And there is they got a cape. There is female nudity in this as well, but it's not, you know, super excessive. There's there's not a lot of outfits that are like particularly revealing. Yeah. Um even even in the sort of harem scene with Hifialtes, yeah. like that that's where you would think it would really go over the over the top, and it doesn't. Like it's more over the top that you are always seeing these men in various in, in most in practically being undressed, and that Xerxes is essentially like a BDSM in character. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's much more the men, I think. Yeah, which is which again is for what you would assume about Snyder, kind of a nice uh, challenge, I guess. Yeah. I'm sure I will have to reckon with that with the next movie we talk about, which we'll get into. Uh, well, the one after that, the next oh, one. If, if it, <laughs> if it sure was the next we'll one, with the next one yeah. I mean, oh, that's even better. I, uh, I don't we'll, know. We'll get there. Anyway, um, I didn't know owls had abs. <laughs> don't give it away. <laughs> you, you, rata lada. <laughs> uh, let me see what no, else. I'm, I'm, lo- I'm looking at some critics, some uh, uh, snippets of reviews from the time. Lawrence Topman of the Charlotte Observer said 300 is a huge step forward in visually sophisticated storytelling. Well, and that is one thing that I want to get a focus on is that the movie does nothing halfway uh, in terms of the visuals. It is the, the whatever sliders Snyder is using to get, you know, a certain color effect or have the, the, actors look a certain way he is taking that all the way to the the end of that bar he is pushing it up to the max um and it creates it i mean it is a really interesting to watch effect like in the moment watching the movie it's a pretty entertaining movie to watch because it is Mm -hmm. very vibrant uh and just not something that any other movie really looks like it's a lot like a michael bay um effect in that Michael Bay does something that I think is very easy to dismiss and say he's not, you know, he's he's just throwing a bunch of explosions on the screen and it it doesn't look good, but he knows exactly what he's doing and he's very good at achieving that kind of effect and it is hard for other people to achieve the kind of effect that he has mm-hmm. uh like that that the idea of the Michael Bay experience is very difficult to replicate and there's a reason that he keeps getting jobs and that he is uh you know had a good amount of stardom in, in hollywood uh snyder is similar i think it's you can look at it and say like well this i think especially when you get into stuff like the end of batman versus superman then that starts to really get iffy and, and i think that's snyder probably just doesn't really know how to handle a budget of that scale to some extent i don't know what the budget for this movie was but it can't have been huge I honestly think he does better when it's just like normal humans fighting than yeah. he does with the big, you know, giant monster superhero mm-hmm. set pieces. Because um, I think all of the fight scenes in this, you know, regardless of context, are really well done. Um, just kind of that long take of Leonidas just kind of marching through, mm-hmm. uh, um, just kind of taking out guys and the camera zooming in and out. And that's a very memorable scene where it's just kind of, it's going from... Um, it's it's changing its speed. Yep. It you know it's it's slowing down to be like comic book panel, and then it speeds up, and then it you know it goes back to normal speed. Like it's it's doing all that stuff. 
I feel like he does that better in this and Watchmen yeah. than most of his DCEU action scenes. This had a $60 million budget. Let me see what Watchmen... <laughs> That's very impressive that mm-hmm. this is a $60 million budget. And well, I know they, they a lot of a lot it is... on fabric. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but I, I know most of it is Pretty just good. like, we've got green screen, we're going to just you know, most of the budget is just going to go to digital effects. But I do think in terms of, and maybe this is why he made it so stylized, making it this stylized allows it to hold up better than if it was maybe more of a straightforward adaptation with the same budget. I don't know. Watchmen, uh, by the way, had a hundred, $130 million budget, which is big. That's a, you know, solid production. Um, but I think kind of same thing is you can tell that his style is a lot more consistent and clear throughout in terms of why people like his visuals and, and why it is actually impressive. Um, yeah. I'll be curious to see how much that comes across in the next two films. Um, I spoilers. They're both Snyder films. Uh, I think we already gave yeah, away the game we, there, kind of away. but um, I want to talk some about the plot with, Thorin? Thormir? Theron? Theron. Theron? Dominic West's character? Yes. Mm. Um, and Gorgo. Yes. Speak speak on Gorgo. Yes. <laughs> Which is basically... That is the, Lena Headey's character yes. for mm. the, the mm. uninitiated. This is the, 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 the back, back on the home front plot where basically uh, Lena, Lena, Lena Gorgo Headey is attempting to get uh, the Senate of Sparta, or do they call it the Senate? Whatever they call it, um, to the Parliament of Sparta. To she's send... trying to get them to to submit a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. That way, Palpatine. Yes. Can... Oh, oh, wrong. I'm sorry. Wrong. Wrong film. Palpatine's behind it all. Can... Um, <laughs> Palpatine's behind Palpatine. it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sheev. Continue, Tyler. <laughs> they are trying to get the Roman or the Spartan council to send their army to back up uh, the, the 300 Spartans who went as Leonidas's personal guard, sort of quote unquote. Um, apparently the actual historical basis for that is that the Spartan army did go to meet them. And then the 300 stayed on the way back to hold the gates, which is almost, I feel like something that could have been more interesting. I don't know. So you're saying like they had their full army, but then they decided to retreat and the 300 yes. stayed behind to kind of block yes. the Persian army while the retreat was happening. Yes. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. That sounds the the yeah, the the reality sounds more interesting to me than because this this handles the entire situation weirdly because Leonidas is the king, but he's not allowed to declare war because the oracle said he can't declare war because the oracle is being bribed by Xerxes men. Um, but then Leonidas is able to take like the 300 best warriors and is like, I'm going out here. And like some, yeah, I, I was tries a bit confused on that as well. Cause they're talking about like, Oh, we're going to arrest him yeah. and, and whatnot. If he, if he does come back alive, I'm like, he's the king though. Yeah. Like, well, how does, how does this work? Yeah. And the little muddled tra- trader man tries to stop him sort of, but not really, uh, from leaving. And they don't send the rest. Of, like, yeah, it's it, they don't really explore those. And also, apparently, those are not at all the real logistics that were involved. So, I, 
it's a weird change to make um it doesn't feel like it really helps make it more dramatic but i don't know um anyway this guy uh basically tells gorgo uh i'll you know give away the or i'll I'll make sure the council votes to send the the army on if you sleep with me um and so she's like okay fine like i i I need this to happen um like it's the only if i don't do this then sparta is going to be burned to the ground um and so he then in the council gorgo makes a, a plea to everyone to send the army and and theron turns on her and it's like oh she's she's an adulterer and uh like basically we shouldn't listen to her at all uh we should we should throw her in jail um and then she stabs him and a bunch of coins fall out like uh a video game enemy mm-hmm. and uh they have xerxes face on them so all is resolved which is you know it's <laughs> i don't particularly like anything about that plot line uh but it is fun that it resolves with him just getting uh horribly gutted and yeah. that's that's a nice quick like and all right <laughs> done with that well also she's she's repeating the lines to him that he was saying to her as he was mm-hmm. ha- having sex with her and that was it shouldn't have been as cathartic as it was that moment, but that was actually pretty enjoyable as she's just kind of stabbing him repeatedly mm-hmm. and just kind of whispering to him, like, you you will not enjoy this. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I didn't like the road we took to get there, but I did. I did. I liked that that's where we ended up. And if some of that catharsis may also just come back to Lena Headey being great. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Lena Headey's great. I kind of think she might be my favorite part of the movie, yeah. which is weird because yeah. I don't like that subplot. But just as a performance, yes. I I really enjoyed her in this. I agree. I did not recognize Rodrigo Santoro as Xerxes, which doesn't equal a great performance, but I like Santoro just fine. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would agree. I think Hedy is actually is the closest <laughs> the movie gets to having a a great performance. In fact, she was nominated for a Teen Choice Award oh. for Action Movie Actress. Uh, she lost, of course, to Kira Knightley for Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Well, did, did they just not have enough choices that year? Why would you have an R-rated movie for the Teen Choice Award? That's an interesting... Well, Alex, I think... Are you telling uh, me teens are watching R-rated movies? I th- oh, oh, Tyler. Is that... It's, it's so much... That's mostly what their, Euphoria is about. With... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Zendaya sneaking in to see Knocked Up. Oh, so Britain, you're finally Express. watching Euphoria. I How am. is it? <laughs> well, I'm just glad that I'm over 17, mm-hmm. and but it does Allegedly. make me nervous. Yeah, well, <laughs> at heart, and that uh, whenever I see a teen now at the movie house that I go to, I I just quiver and hope they're going to see uh, DC League of Super Pets. Yeah, I I mentioned the Teen Choice Awards, and I would like to ask you boys uh, here today, who do you all think? won the award for choice action movie actor. These are the nominees. Orlando Bloom in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Chris Evans in Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Shia LaBeouf in Transformers. Or Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3. I'm going to say Orlando Bloom. Teens love Orlando Bloom. Yep. Alex? I think I'm going to go Shia LaBeouf. Oh, it was Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. 
did oh. did beat Toby and Shia. Shia, I believe, did win. Uh, uh, oh, he won for Disturbia. That's weird. He won. <laughs> he won breakout movie actor for Disturbia and Transformers. Hey, g- okay. hey, guys. Hey, guys. Let me tell you about the Teen Choice Awards in two thousand and seven. They were crazy. <laughs> uh, because choice movie dance, the one of the nominees but not winner was Tobey Maguire in Spider Man Three. I'm sorry, but is there any movie dance that is talked about more? Mm-hmm. Here, mm-hmm. fifteen years later, I'm sorry, Channing Tatum and Jenna Dewan from Step Up. You may have a Teen Choice Award. Tobey Maguire has cultural capital. It's true. Capital, okay. much like fell from Dominic West's torso as though he were a Koopa mm-hmm. or so Bird. Is that going to be the name of our, our, our next Christmas album, Cultural Capital? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Most of the songs are about Avatar. <laughs> going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We're going to review so many of those one day if I mean, <laughs> if they... Uh, Listen, your 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 boy will be about to go to college by the time all those movies are out, true. so it, he'll need tuition, and he will have replaced me on this podcast. So that's true. <laughs> uh, did we want to address Ger- Gerard Butler's performance? No. Because to me, I, I mean, to to be honest, I was mostly just kind of nonplussed by him, and I think a lot of that just has to do that so many of his lines are just kind of memeified at this point. Um, yeah. Like this is Sparta. Tonight we dine in hell. Like all of that stuff is just, I, I th- that speaks to me. My question of like how much of this is just a joke? Like his like when when I'm sure Snyder's just shouting at him like louder. <laughs> like like Not, it's just a, yeah. a whiplash session. <laughs> I don't know. People like Not Snyder. Nothing. I feel like Snyder's probably like, hey man, can you just like scream? This is Sparta. And then he does it. He's like, that was great. <laughs> I, I, I think it's just, it's just one of those cases where what did he have? What did he have to work with? You know, like I don't, it's hard to assess his ability as, as an actor when all of his lines are that sort of rote action movie jargon. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do them poorly, do them amazingly. My favorite Gerard Butler performance, and I don't say this ironically, is How to Train Your Dragon. I sure. think he's really good in those movies. Um, maybe it's an accent. Maybe he's just better yeah. in his natural natural brogue. I don't know. But I think he did a Shakespeare movie. I'm not sure. And I, there's no way to know. Probably The Tempest. I, maybe? It was Cymbeline. Pretty sure what Cymbeline is. <laughs> I was going to say that. Or if I'm making to it me. up. Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> Guys, that was Ethan. I was Ethan Hawke. I was <laughs> like I frequently Gerard, do. Have Gerard Butler confusing. and Ethan Hawke been in a movie? Because they, to me, are both guys that I think of and cannot remember their names for a moment because I confuse them with Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix, respectively. <laughs> um, like a, yeah, I think Ethan Hawke was the bad guy in like London is Falling probably. or something. <laughs> I, not that I can see, but Gerard Butler is or was in a movie called Cop Shop, okay, where he plays a man named Vidic, okay. Uh, but don't worry, because Frank Grillo and Toby Huss are also in it. Oh, which is actually a pretty good reason to watch well, the movie. I'm sold. 
Yeah. Are there a cop shops two and three? I, it just came out last year, so okay. Um, perhaps, perhaps on the horizon. I was distracted by both David Winham and Michael Fassbender in this. Um, not thought, to say that they were uh, David, bad. It's, it's, yeah, I thought David Winham did a nice job. Yeah. Now, I particularly his monologue at the end, I thought was was actually pretty good. But um, yeah, Michael Fassbender's just kind of like running around and just smiling the whole time. I'm like, I've never seen Fassbender this happy. Why is he so happy? <laughs> He's just like, I'm stabbing people. It's great. <laughs> I think it was his first movie or like his first like big role in a movie. Yeah, that's that seems right. Um, yeah, it's just really fascinating just seeing him a, a few years before his uh, his career just kind of exploded. Shameless and all that. No, shame. Not shameless. That's a TV. Yeah, what was, what year was Shame? Because I know Inglorious Bastards was two thousand eight. I think Hunger was two thousand eight as well. Okay, I think Shame was twenty ten. Okay. Cop Shop has actor. Or Cop Shop has characters with very chaotic names. Because Gerard Butler is a Vidic. Frank Grillo. Do we is, have anything that beats Gorgo? Well, so Frank Grillo is Teddy. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Alexis <laughs> Alexis Louder is Valerie Young, so she gets two. She gets yeah, a full she name. She gets a name. Uh yeah. Toby Huss is Anthony J. Lamb. Good. <laughs> Which is like what <laughs> and, then, and then uh Ryan O'Nan is Huber. H U B E R. But then but then Chad Coleman is Dwayne Mitchell. It's a full name again. So I'm like. <laughs> also, Amanda Lopez as bridesmaid. Um, <laughs> so like I, you know, let's uh, review it. Can we? Yeah, let's do it. This year's unhinged. It, let's go. Yeah. We never did review. What if we? What if we put together uh, a three movie trilogy out of unhinged and cop shop and something else? Can we do that? I think. I think we have to. I think. Mm-hmm. I see no, uh, uh, I see no better denouement to the trilogy we're doing now. Sure. Alex, you look perplexed and concerned. Speak on that. Unhinged cop shop, and I don't know. There will be blood. Sure. Mm-hmm. I like Phantom Could, Thread mostly because I yeah, want an excuse you know- to watch Phantom Thread. Uh, Daniel Daniel Plainview was you you could view his work in that movie as a sort of courtesy tap of the earth. <laughs> so I and can see the thread. Several courtesy taps were given to Paul Dano at the end of that movie. <laughs> Very <So>. true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we have all the the connective tissue mm-hmm. we need, boys. If you give enough courtesy taps, there's leakage. <laughs> <laughs> all we need is a milkshake and cop shop and we're off to the races uh-huh. and i love the sentence i, I bet, just said i bet you i bet you hoover loves a milkshake so he's, he's a decadent man hoover a man a man of leisure and pleasure uh-huh. Um, if there's one thing I'll toss in this movie's favor, and this is just comparing it to Snyder's later films, 
I appreciate that it's under two hours and yeah. it is a very straightforward story. There's not a whole lot of beating around the bush. It's, it's, you know, it's very, you know, we've kind of got our A plot and our B plot and that's it. Um, you know, that's, that's good. That's great that it's not just a convoluted mess because if something like Batman versus Superman was under two hours and it was very simple and it was this stylized yeah. and crazy and it was just Batman and Superman are going to fight each other. I think most people would probably enjoy that to a certain degree. I think as much as this movie is overdone, it's not overthought. And I mean that as as kind of a a chiding thing, but also as yeah. a compliment. Like I think that Snyder sort of knew we don't need to yeah. we don't need to gussy this up. Right. I mean we we are going to do it in a very extreme way, but we're not going to try to add a lot of elements. What is he, Captain Planet? I think not. Where's that movie by Zack Snyder? It's not Heart in this one. It's Rage. Rage. I think it's mm -hmm. Rage this time. Fire, water, earth, wind, and rage. <laughs> and that boy has a very angry monkey. His Captain, his Captain and, Planet can kill people. Oh, and will, because this is a movie about what would really happen if there was a Captain Planet. Yeah. Which is uh, death. Yeah, I mean, I think Captain Planet would be mad. He takes one look at fracking and says, <laughs> yeah. no, no. He's like, but go kill some frackers. Not not here. And then he gives everyone a stove. Because as we, <laughs> as we established made, two episodes ago. Made clear. I think Toastone Frank. I think we have I think we need to every time we make a reference to something we can we did in a previous episode, we have to make sure that we log it and explain how long ago that mm. was so they can go listen to it. Not which episode, <laughs> but specifically how many episodes back was right, that. Of course. Because frankly, if I was listening to a podcast that said made a fracking stove reference and then said is our three colors white episode, I I I my head would be in my hands. I think <laughs> I think uh I think I need to start doing inserts uh in the same way that sixties and seventies comics would be like this mm. happened in issue seventy two of Superman. Why weren't you paying attention? Uh and just like figure out a Stanley accent and, and cut in there like after the fact every now and then and be like But your sign off is tie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. To be honest, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this movie. Um, it was I, just... I, I did like the big rhino mm -hmm. that I think it was Gerard Butler who was fighting him and threw a spear and hit the rhino in the eye and the rhino skidded mm -hmm. to a halt as he died right in front of Gerard Butler's foot. Yeah. That was, that was pretty good. Again, the movie knew what it was supposed to be doing. Also, there is a moment in this uh, that I think tells a lot about Snyder's philosophy where uh there's a guy I know what you're talking yeah there's about. <laughs> a guy who has a son in this uh and they are both in the in the 300 um their number is 272 and 51 <laughs> <laughs> and the guy uh the 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 young the, his son is is fighting um has some some chemistry with Michael Fassbender, I would say, uh, and they they're you know rivals and kind of fighting it out and and being being awesome and and killing lots of dudes, 
Uh, and then at one point, Sun, sun Guy, I don't remember either of these people's names. Um, it's the Sun is Astinos. Okay. It looks like. Sure. Uh, Astinos. Sure. He's, he's standing kind of far out from the group. And uh, the guy. For some reason. Yeah. And a guy with a sword comes up and is running him down. And his father's like, no. And he slices through the guy's neck. And first of all, that horse guy just disappears. I don't think they ever actually. Get, he just kind of. No, the, there's no the, there's no like reaction shot afterwards. Geography yeah. of this scene is questionable. But the the head falls off of this man and his body slumps to the ground on his knees. And then we just keep watching the body with the head missing uh as everyone runs up to like grab it and be like no or as as the father runs up and freaks out. Um the head's lying like almost off camera on the ground. <laughs> We're, we're we're focusing really closely on this headless body uh and it it's long enough that it starts to feel silly uh and i feel like that's a, like the fact that he snyder would choose to focus on this headless body and not and maybe that's a comic book panel or whatever um i just thought it was funny i i thought that was a strange <laughs> a strange choice of directing yeah <laughs> the auteur theory at work yes Are there headless bodies in his other movie? Probably. Uh, there's a pretty good one at the end of Justice League. Oh, that's true. That's the best true. One, I would that argue. Best the best. Yeah. yeah, okay. Touché. That was a, a callback to 300. I think so. The true fans would uh, would catch mm-hmm. that one. I give the movie a C plus, Which is to say, I don't have very strong opinions about it. And parts of it look cool. That's fair. Um, I think I'm going to go C minus. Yeah, all in all, it was, I think it was more entertaining than I was expecting. But it's just, I I couldn't, I couldn't get past just how absurd and silly it all Mm -hmm. was. And the the fact that I I seem to to get the feeling that the film was trying to be self-serious and everything taken literally and oh we're so cool and that was just silly to me um i couldn't take any of it uh seriously at all but it looked cool and lena heady was nice she was a good performance so yeah Uh, I, i give it a d plus for the art value sure mm 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 Do you think one day we can go to the Louvre and record a podcast where we grade everything in the Louvre? Yeah, yes. Yes, I think. <laughs> I Yes, I think so. I really, I really, if people can bother other people to find where Richard Simmons is, we can, we can look at some paintings and say, <laughs> and say that's a, that's a, that's a C plus tree there. And, and the whole time I'll just be pestering all of the attendants working there and being like, did you guys know that they filmed Wonder Woman here? <laughs> did you work that day? What did you well, do, do you like that? Do you, you know like what that knowing means? that? You know what that means, boys? That means at, at one time or another, Zack Snyder probably set foot in the Louvre. We're just following in the master's footsteps. True. We're <laughs> we're trying to retrace the steps, uh, looking for the path to greatness. 
Hello. Bienvenue à Le Louvre. Uh, yes, hello. Can we have the Snyder tour, please? <laughs> I, I, I would like to go on the guided tour. T show, show me all the paintings that Zach thought were really just boss. I mean, really good. All the good portraits and landscapes and thirdest ones to take, take me there. Oh, I recommend <laughs> Free Guy this week. Mm, mm, yes. It's a cute... Be, sp speak on that. Cute rom-com type thing. <laughs> and it's got Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> it's got a fun cameo from Chris Evans. Uh, Ooh. It's got... Uh, Taika Waititi is actually very fun. In it. He's he's the antagonist. and, and he's It's, it's a weirdly... Uh, well-timed movie because it's about a horrible video game ceo video game studio ceo uh and there sure have been a lot of news stories about <laughs> horrible video game ceos and executives and whatnot over the last even just like the last six months i feel like um the last like three <laughs> yeah yeah um so, i mean it's always been kind of bubbling but especially has been in the conversation recently and uh, there's there's quite a few controversies and scandals and things that are probably worse than those meanings convey uh but he is fun and it's fun to point and laugh at the bad ceo man uh and yeah it's a it's a it's a sweet movie and i think it has a, a really fun premise and does really neat things with that um in the way it in the way it takes it and how it explains what's happening so yeah I would recommend. It's on Disney Plus. Yeah, I would like to watch that. Alex, my recommendation is going to be actually what we watched right after Three Hundred. Um, as a group, we watched The Green Knight. I was trusting you to pick that up. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah, I I think you guys have recommended it previously, or Britain. I think uh, you had yeah. recommended it. Yeah. Um. Visually, it's incredible. Uh, the cast is amazing. Like, I, I, I could just go down the laundry list of, like, it does things well. <laughs> um, it's, it is a lot more straightforward and literal than I was expecting. I was expecting a much more just kind of abstract, hard to follow what's going on. And I, I like how the movie balances that because it's really, you know, once you get towards the end, there's a bit of interpretation and, and I, I like that. I like I like how it starts from a very kind of straightforward place and kind of as it, it goes along, it's like, okay, no, 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 we're going to leave this up to the audience and then having them interpret the ending. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. And it, it's it, it does kind of make me want to explore more King Arthur films because I know obviously modern day, that's a very mixed bag um, just because every few mm -hmm. years they try a, a Robin Hood or a King Arthur uh, dark, edgy reboot and they all fail. And most of them are bad, um, which is why my pitch for a cinematic universe would be King Arthur versus Robin Hood. Somebody make this movie. Why has nobody done it? They're both public domain. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was great. And um, I also want to see Deb Patel in more things because mm -hmm. really it's. I think I've only seen him in like this in Last Airbender. I mean, there's probably a couple of things that I'm, I'm just not thinking of, but um yeah, I thought he was he was quite good. So 
Yeah, the personal history of David Copperfield is a great companion piece to this movie in terms of Dev Patel because it's like the complete mm-hmm. opposite performance, and it's a wonderful movie, and it has my favorite Hugh Laurie performance in it. Um, yeah, that was this was my third time watching The Green Knight, and I still loved it. It was great. Um, I am, and not... it kept you awake. It did yeah, keep me unlike awake. unlike the film you were just you, seeing for the first the, time. Yeah, that's You're true. Energized you. To get <laughs> it did. The Green, the Green Knight. It prepared me. Uh, I'm not doing a recommendation recommendation. What I will do is uh, because this as we're recording this, this coming Sunday is the Oscars. So I have my top 10 list of 2021 and early 2022 movies. Of course, I haven't seen a lot of stuff. I would probably have drive my car on this list if uh, it had subtitles on HBO Max. There I said it. HBO Max. Why doesn't that movie have subtitles? It's in Japanese. Um, I said the same thing about F9. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so, you know, check with me in a month. This list might be different. Um, I've also I believe I've recommended all these movies on the podcast before, so I won't like go into it. But just a a quick rundown of Britain's top 10 movies from 2021. Number 10, Dune. Number nine, Procession. Number eight, Shiva Baby. Number seven, The Harder They Fall. Number six, West Side Story. Uh, Number five, The Green Knight. Number four, The Mitchells versus The Machines. Number three, Licorice Pizza. Number two, Nine Days. And number one, my favorite movie of the past year, Coda. So probably not a ton of surprises in there because I've talked about them all. <laughs> but seen, uh, those are all great movies. I've seen five of those. That's more than I was yeah. expecting. There you go. See? Yeah, yeah, so, I so, very quickly get to, like, Spider-Man No Way Home or something like sure. that. Sure, yeah. But it, yeah I, I would run out of the two of prestige those. real quick. I mean, Shang-Chi is in my honorable mentions. There you go. So That's probably. Yeah, Alex, Alex you've seen Dune and Green Knight. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do recommend all these movies, and we'll see. Maybe the Oscars will. Well, a bunch of these movies are nominated for Oscars. Um, but some of them are. Coda's picking up Surprise a lot of things. Oscars. We'll see what happens. Yes, that's, that's how true. you get the ratings up. <laughs> I, I definitely have I'm not trying. seen enough movies to, to formulate a list like that. Like, in terms of just what I think would actually be worthy of being in a top 10 list like that. No time to die and eternals for me, everything else I've seen. Oh, I mean, green Knight, of course, but like everything I've seen outside of that kind of realm is just fine. Or Hall- bad. Hall- Halloween kills. Yeah. Oh yeah. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I should have. Of number course, one a, on the worst of list. Oh, not, a, oh. not, a, not a, the Batman. Well, that would be that for count? The ne- that'd be the next rotation. Is it already too late? Yeah, I see. It's past the cutoff. It was through January of twenty twenty-two. Right. Yeah. Oscars are confusing. Look, yeah. Tyler, if you're just trying to get me to recommend the Batman for a third week in the row, I'll do it. Sure. All right, I'm recommending <laughs> the Batman for the third week in a row. Move over. Go see it. Night. I saw it. I liked it. It was good. Just punching. Yeah. Good time. I'm excited to talk about there, it. There's uh-huh. vengeance. There's a lot there of it. Vengeance. It's good. Quite so. And uh well guys, th- that was this is our our first foray into a new a new realm, a new sort of format. Um we're gonna be kind of playing Calvin Ball, experimenting a little bit over this trilogy. Um but that's what life is. It's a series of meetings and partings and experimentation. But if you if you liked this format, if you didn't like this format, if you have suggestions for a format, 
please uh, reach out to us. Tyler, how yeah. can they do that? Do that at herecomethemsequels at gmail.com or on Twitter at HTTSequels. Did I say herecomethemsequels at... I don't know. I've already messed it up. Herecomethemsequels.blogspot.com is our, our blogosphere. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, uh, CastBox, Overcast, I think, <laughs> exists. Cast away. I think I made that joke last week. Original Broadway cast yes. albums. Every original Broadway cast album comes mm-hmm. with the most relevant podcast episode for that particular. Well, you so you're enjoying this album of Funny Girl. Well, here are some funny guys <laughs> to tell you their thoughts on X Men Apocalypse. It's always X Men Apocalypse. That was the that was the screener. <laughs> way down Hades Town, there's a man called Apocalypse. <laughs> that would be very good, though. I would, I would like to watch that musical. That. <laughs> but it's it's the same cast. It's the X Men yes. Apocalypse cast. Yeah. No, it's Oscar Isaac gets a musical number in okay, that, that suit. And Sabanor, why do you build the wall? <laughs> hey, little uh, <laughs> dazzler. <laughs> She's kind of a songbird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but There's also an actual be... Marvel character called Songbird. So. Oh, well, there you go, then. Yeah. Wait, what does she do? Is she a mutant? I think she's like a sonic lady. Like a black canary? <laughs> yeah, let me... Hmm. I'm right about that. I gotta confirm this, because, again, my, my insecurity is tied to uh, comic book knowledge. Alex, what is a Broadway musical that you know of that has a Marvel appear sort of connection and don't say spider-man turn off the dark does the hawkeye musical count oh my goodness no like a real like a real one that you like a real musical yeah it's real it oh, happened alex. i saw it i saw it oh, happen alex. uh songbird does have supersonic powers That's oh okay tracks. like a banshee or a ban she happy women's history month also, Britain, give me one uh, musical on Broadway that Hugh Jackman was in. There's the answer. The Boy from Oz. All right, there's the answer. <laughs> That's the answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could, yeah. You said prob- Marvel connection. No, 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 you didn't no, no, say I'm what. To think about it. No, I think that could work. What Marvel connection? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I'm, that's, yeah, no, you're right. There's a song in there called "I Go to Rio." I'm assuming there's been a Marvel Rio thing at some point. That company's been around for like 30 years or more. So we uh, are just so pleased that you tuned in to the C-SPAN podcast network to mm-hmm. hear our thoughts on 300, the life and times of the the beefy boys. And um, uh, I hope that you will tune in next week. We're, we're doing another Zack Snyder film, as as alluded to. If you caught the Easter egg, there's a second one. Maybe you can deduce uh, what movie that's going to be, Gumshoes. But if not, perhaps it'll be a happy surprise, a shiny gift left in the nest of your ears. Um, But until that fateful day doth come, I, uh, I have been Britain. Thank you so very much. I've been Alex. I'm here. I've been Tyler. We're doing Guardians of the Legends of Whatever and Sucker Punch the week after that.
Chick, chick, <laughs> chicks and chicks. <laughs>